Well, good morning, church. Morning, everybody. We are going to uh, finish off the How to Live series here in just a moment. But before we do, I, uh, I want to put something on your radar. Uh, wherever you are right now in the West Michigan area, uh, the reality is there are thousands upon thousands of food insecure families living right around us. We're talking about hungry kids. And what we're doing in the month of March is recognizing that fact in particular um, and meeting it. Uh, What we want to do is partner with a phenomenal organization called Kids Food Basket uh, that has this dream, this vision of a hunger-free West Michigan. And they do this awesome work, and everything I've learned about this organization has just continued to impress me. And as you get to know Kids Food Basket, I think it's going to impress you as well. Um, The narrative kind of arc on this whole thing is this recognition that Man, uh, during COVID, a lot of things were happening, and one of them is that there were like a massive amount of federal dollars that was going out to help uh, kids, especially kids returning to schools, uh, paying for their lunches, and having healthy, nutritious meals to eat. And those dollars are largely gone now. And at the same time, you know, because you do grocery shopping, food costs more than it ever has before. And so Kids Food Basket steps into that space and says, well, let's do something about it. And I'm a firm believer that every parent wants to do the best they possibly can for their kids. It's just sometimes they can't afford to feed their kids healthy and nutritious meals. So again, Kids Food Basket. And so here's the shtick and here's the gimmick. And if you've been around Encounter for a little while, you know what's coming. For one low, low gift of $29.95, you can provide uh, one uh, serving of one healthy food item, fruit or vegetable, etc., for an entire school, which is wild just to think about it because $29.95, one uh, serving, one food item for an entire school. It's a, it's a huge opportunity, and I'm not asking you right now to make a gift. We don't even have our giving system set up. There's not even going to be that cheesy display that you've seen. That's coming next week. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm not asking you to give right now because I don't, want to, I don't want you to give just because Dirk asked. I don't want you to give just because maybe God was doing something in you emotionally. I want you to give not emotionally but intentionally. So what I'm asking for right now is not to make a gift. What I'm asking you to do right now is to simply pray about it and ask Jesus what he would have you do with the resources that are entrusted to you when you and I know that there are food insecure, hungry kids right here in West Michigan. And since I'm asking you to pray about it all week and then we'll come back to this one next week, I'm gonna start us off with a word of prayer. Jesus, would you convict our hearts to be your hands and to be your feet? right here in the town that we call home. Uh, God, may Grand Rapids reflect heaven on earth a little bit more this month. In your name we pray, amen. Uh, we are in, uh, in a series called How to Live, which is a pretty, uh, pretty presumptuous series for me to name it, How to Live. Like, who am I to tell you all, like, how to live? Uh, This is not my wisdom. We are studying the book of Proverbs to figure out how God would have us live our lives to the best we possibly can. And so we've talked about words, how words are powerful. We've talked about making your work matter no matter what, finding your purpose, finding contentment and satisfaction with our money and financial situations. Uh, Today, rather than just, like, telling you what the topic is, I thought we'd have a fun time. I thought we'd play a little game. So everybody is invited to play along wherever you are, driving down the road, Fulton Heights, Kentwood. A little game is 
who's that character or who's that TV show or movie and just kind of shout it out as you see what it is. So we've got a few that are going to come on display. The first one coming at you right now, we have... Batman and Robin. Awesome. I wanted like from the film Batman and Robin, but those suits, like I just couldn't get over how graphic they are from the movie. Anyway, you can look that one up later. Don't look it up. Don't look it up later. Uh, Next one, a little more family friendly on this one. Finding Nemo. Again, Nemo and Dory. I mean, those guys are pals, right? Hanging out, jumping into some era. I don't even know which era this is from, but we have like... The longest running primetime show ever, currently on its 100th season. They look amazing, right? Dr. Meredith 19, thank you. Meredith Gray and Christina Yang. Next one, for all those Harry Potter fans out there. I was, I, it's a cheesy joke, but I'm Sam and Frodo, not Harry Potter at all. I just wanted, wanted to give you a reason to hate me this morning. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Uh, In the the grand finale on the game that we're playing right here, an American classic, Fast and Furious, right? Oh, just an epic display of American cinematic quality. (laughs) The premise of of this movie, in case you haven't missed it, they rob trucks by jumping on them from sports cars. Like, biggest plot hole in movie history. Like, why not just wait until they're parked, right? It's just... Anyway, it's currently on its 20th film, making billions of dollars, so I am not here to judge that one. Um, today, today, the topic that we're talking about is friendship, or in the words of Dom in Fast and Furious, the original, I don't have friends, I have family, and that gravelly Vin Diesel voice. No more impressions of anybody, I promise. I promise. We're, talking, we're talking about friendships, though, specifically this morning, you guys. We're talking about the power that the people around you have uh, to grow you, to move you, to shape you, to mold you, to push you into a particular direction. It's that some of us maybe forget just how powerful some of the relational circles that we're in really have. Um, There's this old adage, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Somebody said uh, that you are the composite of the five people that you spend the most time with. It sort of begs the question, who are you spending your time with? Who is shaping you? Who is molding? Who is moving you in a particular direction? And is that the direction that you want to be moving in? Parents... You guys just get this instinctively, right? Because I didn't know how much of my life being a preteen dad is just watching and paying attention to who my kids talk to online. Because, because I know the power that the people around them have to shape and form their life. And so it's my job as a dad, as parent, to like make sure that the people are shaping and forming them and moving them in a direction that I would have them go into. This is a true story of this little girl, not mine, thank goodness, little girl, she's 13 years old, and she tells her mom that she has now got a boyfriend, it's puppy love, it's cute, it's adorable, and then mom finds out he's 16. And it's like, nope, shut it down. And mom's like, no, but you don't understand, like he's so, in other words, a Grey's Anatomy, he's McDreamy, you're right? Oh, he's so great, he's so, he's so mature, mom. He's got a car. And mom's like, you are not selling this to me. And so they're at one of, her, um, one of her softball games, and she's the pitcher, and she just watches as her mom in the stands, like lean over, tap him on the shoulder, let's go for a walk. <laughs> After the game, she doesn't have to, but she asks, 
so what, what, did you, what did you talk to him about while I was pitching? And she goes, honey, I broke up with him so that you wouldn't have to. <laughs> because parents know the power that the people who we're around with, the power of friends that shape us, form us, to move us in a particular direction. But something happens when even us as parents like take the camera and turn it into selfie mode. And, and, and when it's cast on us, and then we all of a sudden don't want to take our own medicine. And I simply want to point out this morning that was true for them is also true for us. So the big overarching question this morning is where are your friends taking you? Uh, the people, start thinking about maybe more than 5, 10, uh, 20 people that you talk to on a regular basis that are influencing you and you're influencing them at some level. Where are your friends taking you? While you're considering that, I want to offer some of this wisdom, not mine, but some of the most profound wisdom, I think, on friendship comes from the Bible. Thousands of year old wisdom, these nuggets, these truisms that have been found to be true for thousands of years from Proverbs 13, verse 20. And let's get it on the screen. Uh, It's so short. It's so memorable. It's so good. Everywhere, uh, everyone, let's just read this one all out together. Walk with the wise, become wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with the wise, become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. I want to tell you what's coming. This proverb breaks down in two parts. Uh, There's a promise and a hope. And there's a a caution, uh, a warning. And we're going to take them one part at a time. By the end of our time together, you're going to be looking back... And you're going to probably find yourself nodding along and saying, yeah, yep, knew that. Not new information. Got it. That's true. And by the end, I think what you're going to experience is this conviction to say, oh, if all of that stuff is true, then the result is potentially a change that needs to take place. And in that moment, I want you to remember that I'm not telling you which change needs to take place? That's the voice of the Holy Spirit whispering into your heart. Be mad at him, be not be mad at me. You get it. Um, it's a promise, it's a promise and a warning. We're gonna take them one at a time. The first one, the promise. Um, verse 20, walk with the wise, become wise. Just a note on wisdom. Uh, wisdom is not knowing the right thing to do. Wisdom is not having good judgment. Wisdom is doing the right thing. Wisdom is executing the right judgment, right? There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is knowing, and that's great, but it doesn't, it isn't worth much if it's not executed, if it's not done. So wisdom, especially the wisdom of Proverbs, is like God's wisdom wrapped in shoe leather, is what one person says, because it's for walking, it's for going, it's for trying on, it's for executing, it's for doing this. Walk with the wise, do life along with, uh, live your life, spend time with the wise and, and become and become wise. There's a principle here, there's this promise here, is wisdom is contagious. I love it. You spend time long enough with wise people and it like, does, you can't help but have some of that wisdom like, like leech on and find it's itself like inside of you. It's wisdom is contagious. Have you experienced this? Like you're around somebody for long enough and it's like, I don't know, I don't know what it is. I just like, I want to be a better person. A, a coach, a mentor, like this uncle that you have in your life that's just great and awesome and it's like you come away from lunch with him or like a weekend 
family Christmas party with him. And it's like, I want to be a better person because I'm alongside them. That's Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise, become wise. Wisdom, wisdom is contagious. You're around people and it, want, it, it makes you want to act a certain kind of way. I experience this on a regular basis because the person that I spend a lot of my weekday afternoons with is Joe Hayes, the ministry pastor and Fulton Heights uh, location pastor. And he doesn't know I'm talking about him this morning and we've got 20 minutes in between us so he can't come and get me before I get it out. (laughs) Questions that you already know the answers to, you don't need to ask, so I didn't consult him. But this guy, I spend almost every weekday lunchtime with him and it comes around to noon and we both get out our lunches and he goes and he gets like a spinach salad with cranberries in it, you know? Sometimes he gets out like, um, like, like sweet potato soup. Sometimes it's like soup and a salad. And I take my lunch out of my pocket. It's your first cue that something's wrong. I take my lunch out of my pocket and it's like three chocolate chip uh, fudge protein bars. You know? it's essentially just candy bars. I'm having three candy bars for lunch every afternoon. And I'm just like watching this guy eat his spinach salad with cranberries in front of me. I walk away from that time and I'm like, I think I want to start eating better. <laughs> I haven't yet. <laughs> so I want to ha- have some sermon material for you on the weekend. But like this week, maybe. It's just, it's working on me. Like walk with the wise, become wise. You probably have somebody. The way that they are with words They're kind, encouraging, words that build. And you walk away from enough time with them and you're like, I I start to want to be the kind of person that's kind and encouraging and and the person that uses words to build. You're around people that that are good with money. They don't like have so much of it. It seems like it's growing on trees to them, but they're just, it's like they don't have the same holes in their pockets as you do. They're just smart with it. They live within their means and you walk away and you're going, I want to be a better person. I want, I want to be good with money. I want to just have some of my money that I had earlier like they do. Walk with the wise, become wise. It's, it's contagious. On a spiritual level, this most important deep level of who we are, it's shocking to me over the years that whenever we do these baptism weekends at Encounter with a big tank, you know, and they go underwater, and it's just as awesome. And we've been doing these stories, uh, their testimonies, along with these baptisms. Small plug, by the way. If, you want, if you're ready, show the world you've been raised with Christ. Encounterchurch.org slash baptism is your next step. But it's, it's shocking when we gather these stories, how many of them don't, don't start with a something, but a someone. Uh, a friend invited me. Someone told me, a parent showed me the truth of Jesus walking around among us. A someone, not a something. Walk with the wise, become wise. Uh, Wisdom, wisdom is contagious. There's an action step here. When I talk about the person that you're around, that you're like, man, I just, I, I leave time with them and I find myself wanting to be a better person. Action step. Name it, yeah? Hey, do you want to get a cup of coffee? you want to hang out a little more? Spend this much more time together so that I can lead you. You don't have to tell them, listen, dude, I have a wisdom crush on you and I need to spend time. You don't have to make it weird. You can just, you can just hang out with them and it's fine. Walk with them. It's contagious. Okay, that's the hope. That's the promise. That's the fun news that I get to share with you. The second part of that is the warning. 
a companion of fools suffers harm. Notice what it says. Wisdom is contagious, but, but the proverb, it doesn't, say, it doesn't say that walk with the foolish and you'll become foolish. Wisdom is contagious, but foolishness isn't contagious. It's not like, oh yeah, yeah spend, spend time with a bunch of fools long enough and, and, and you too will become a fool. No, 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 it says you're going to get hurt. It's like spend time long enough with people who make bad decisions, God dishonoring decisions, spend time long enough with people who have this remarkable capacity to blow up their life, and pretty soon you're going to get hit by some of the shrapnel that's flying around. Walk with the foolish, and you won't be a fool. You'll get hurt. And that's the warning. You know, you guys know how, like, you only have one childhood and you don't recognize how it's weird until you get older and you start comparing it to, like, other people's childhood? And I, I get so many of these stories to share because I just, I, I love that my parents both worked in lockup facilities for so long. And so, like, the, our dinner table conversations were just so weird and I recognize it now. But again, it's solid content. So my dad, one of the exercises that we had to do was my dad, he would just tell us, like, what happened at work that day, you know? And it was, and inevitably, somebody ends up in prison, right? <laughs> and so when... <laughs> In our house, it was like Bible verses, for God so loved the world, you know, right there at the top. And then like a companion of fools suffers harm. Not even the first part, the wisdom, contagious, none of that. It was just like, watch out who you're hanging out with, you know. Show me uh, your friends and I'll show you your future. And so one of the exercises that me and, and my older brothers, what we all had to do, I think when we turned 12 or 13 or kind of around that time, is, um, is, is write, a, write a letter to Harry, you know, dad's friend from work. Uh, Harry didn't have a lot uh, going for him. Uh, he had a driver's license and he had a car. That was probably it. And his friends picked him up one time and said, hey, let's make some stops in your car. They do this a lot. Nothing to see here. Move right along. Can we, uh, can we stop by the bank? Okay, that's a little weird because it's not your bank. Do you even have a bank? You know, like questions... Okay, whatever. We're stopping, waiting in the car. What was weird, he noticed something was up when they didn't walk, but ran back to the car from the bank in masks. <laughs> and this isn't like an Ocean's Eleven kind of heist. It was a smash and grab situation, and Harry was the unsuspecting wheelman. He takes off. He doesn't know what to do. He's in a panic. He didn't know that they were going to rob the bank that day. He didn't know that he actually robbed the bank that day. He didn't know that he robbed a bank even after he was arrested. He realized that he robbed a bank when he was being sentenced to 20 years in prison. And so here, me and my brothers are, 12 years old, milestone. Most kids are like, you know, taking their baptism or confirmation classes, and we're like, dear Harry, <laughs> sorry that your friends robbed a bank. <laughs> Hope you get out of jail soon. Don't, don't do that again. A companion of fools, man. The shrapnel starts flying. I'm simply pointing out there's collateral damage, isn't there? And, and you guys have seen it. I'm guessing if you look back and you identify your single greatest regret, I'm guessing it came as a result of the people that you're with. The business partnership that you entered into. And it's like, I mean, he always complained about the government, but I didn't know he had like some kind of moral objection to withholding payroll taxes until the IRS comes. And I got hit. I got hurt. 
knock on your, on your reputation? This is true. I was in uh, seventh grade. I had a friend. We're going to call him Billy because I'm from West Michigan and I know too many people. But Billy would just always get into trouble. Not surprising the kid that grows up to be a preacher, I didn't get in like that much trouble, but Billy was always into trouble. And because I was friends with Billy, I was always getting summoned to the principal's office. And it's like, hey, Dirk, you know, you're here again. Yes, sir. It was a fight on the, on the school bus. Billy was there, so I just assumed, okay, I saw the whole thing. I wasn't involved in the fight. I didn't do it. It was him. Listen, you got the wrong guy. Dear Harry, you know, I might as well write a letter to Dirk. You know, I'm sorry you got called into the principal's office again. Hey, Dirk, you're uh, summoned back up again. Yeah, Billy was seen lighting off fireworks in the back of the school playground. It's like, you've got to, no, I wasn't there. I was on the swings. You've got to believe me. You know, walk with the wise, become wise. Wisdom is contagious, but foolishness has this collateral damage that comes along the side of it. You can just kind of like look back and go, man, the the friend circle, 10, 20 people around you, if they don't care about their lives, they're probably not going to care about yours. If they don't care about your marriage, they're probably not going to care about yours. If they don't care about their financial health or their their physical well-being, they're probably not going to care about your financial and physical well-being. There's collateral damage that takes place. And you might be thinking of somebody right now with shrapnel flying. And it's like a matter of time until you get hit. Action step. Is there a name that has come to you that you're like, it hasn't happened yet, thank God. But is there somebody that I just need to limit my time with because I don't want to get hit? Yep, yep. Oh, that's what that means. There's an objection here. Because that's also not the kind of church that we are, is it? We're the kind of church that brings people far from God to new life in Christ. We're the kind of people that see those kind of people and run toward, not away. And I'm, I'm happy about it. But like, how do you hold these truths in tension with one another? Gee, Jesus did it. I'm not him. No. We're empowered by him. It's the airline principle. First, before assisting others, when the mask comes down in the event of an emergency, uh, take care of yourself. Give yourself oxygen. Give yourself something air to breathe before assisting others. I was at a conference earlier this week and I was reminded that the, that the best gift that I could give you as, as this church that I get to be a part of, this community, the best gift that I have for you has nothing to do with preaching or speaking, has nothing to do with administrative, visionary leadership. The best gift that I can give to you is to walk closely with my Lord and Savior, Jesus, for as long as possible, for my entire life. That's my, the best gift that you can give to somebody in your life who perpetually has shrapnel flying is to walk closely with Jesus Christ for your entire life. This is ripped off from somebody. I found it a very long time ago. I don't even know where it's from. It's not mine. You need to know that. There's a way that God would have us organize and structure some of our relationships, patterned after the life and the ministry of Jesus. 
And this is going to kind of put this proverb maybe in tension with what we do as a church and who we're called to be as followers of Jesus to bring people far from God to new life in, in Christ. I want you to imagine for a moment just three concentric circles. This is what three concentric circles looks like in case we can't quite rem- remember that. Uh, a big circle, a medium one, and then, and then a very, very small one. These circles represent the closeness of our friends groups. I put some labels on there. The smallest one that we have is called intimacy. Uh, intimacy is the two, three, four, probably not five people who know you and love you dearly. They know you intimately. They love you intimately. If you're married, your spouse ought to be in the circle. If you're not married, if you have a roommate... That roommate might not be in this circle. Even though you probably spend so much time with them, it doesn't necessarily mean that. It's not a time thing. They know you and they love you. It's the people closest to you, intimacy. Who's in that circle? The, the medium circle, influence, is the label that we're going to put on. Slightly larger. There's less influence that you have with each other, but still to a pretty significant, pretty significant degree. The largest circle label that we're going to put on that one is care. People that you care about, people in your life, man, they're shrapnel flying left, right, and center, but my heart breaks for them, and I want them to know Jesus. I want them to trust you. I want them to rely on Jesus as much as possible. I want to see God have a work in their life. It's a, it's a big group, and you're willing to sacrifice for them, sometimes even to a stunning level, because of how much you love them and want the very, very best for them. But the amount of two-way influence back and forth is just limited. Uh, Review. Who's in your care? Who's in your influence? Who's in your intimate, close, three, four people in your life? Action steps that we're going to put on this. Go through your week. Uh, Today's Sunday. Going to work tomorrow. Going to school. Uh, staying home, got some play dates, uh, bringing the kids to. Think about the people in your life. Uh, Friday, Saturday is different, and then back to Sunday. I could run into 40, 50 people. Just label them as to where they fall on the list. Log and label each one of the 40, 50 people and just put them on the, put them on the circles. Which ones are care? Which ones are influence? Which ones are my close, intimate people? You may hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit into your heart. Listen, you've got them in influence right now. Move them out of influence and put them into care. That's how you can best love them. You might hear God take somebody influence in kind of that middle ground and say, no, no, it's time to, it's time to spend more time with them. They, they feed your soul in a way that very rarely other people do. It's not promoting and demoting in your life. It's it's caring for yourself, it's caring for the world as best as you possibly can. Stories, sermons, worship inspire us, but community shapes us. As much as I love the idea of a, of a sermon, like well-delivered, changing you for the, now that's the people around you. That's the circles around you, not the rows that you sit in. Think about who you're spending time with. Walk with the wise, become wise. A companion fool suffers harm. And your future self will thank you. The twist on all of this, I didn't want to lead with, but some of you have already realized that it's true. 
some of us are like, I don't deserve to be in anyone's like intimate circle. I'm the one with shrapnel flying. I'm the one bringing harm to everybody around me. I'm the one that doesn't really have any wisdom to bring. I'm the one with the triple chocolate fudge brownie protein bars that nobody walks away from and says, oh man, that guy's got it really together. I'm the one who's going to be my friend. And I got these like echoes, Old Testament to New Testament reverberating. And I want you to know something about the Lord that you have. There was this time he got one of his buddies to like, I don't know if he rented the room or if he just borrowed it from a friend for a little while. I assume the homeowners knew what was up, but Jesus and his people, he, they hung out in this like apartment, this upstairs apartment, and he gathers them together. And one of his close friends, John, like records the story and it's like chapter after chapter of like Jesus pouring his heart, his pouring his, his soul out right there on the table. And he's like talking to his disciples about like everything and they're laughing together, they're crying together and he looks at each one of them and he, and he like knows them and he loves them. He looks at each one of them and he goes, Peter, dude, I know that you're gonna abandon me in my hour of need. I know that you're running away. I'm actually calling that shot. Oh, Judas, I know that you're gonna, be, you're gonna betray me. You're gonna sell me out. That's gonna sting. That's gonna be with me for a while. But Judas, I actually still want you here. At this last supper. And there was this time after the meal, he's got, his, uh, he's got his people around him. And he looks into their eyes. And in John 15, 15, his friend is writing these words. His friend remembers Jesus speaking these words. Where his Lord and Savior looks right into his eyes and he goes, I no longer call you servants. Because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, today, I have called you friends. Everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus looks right at his friend John, who knows he's not a good friend, who knows he's going to let him down. And Jesus says, today I call you friend. And John realizes in that moment that Jesus is the best, Jesus is the wisest, Jesus is the surest, Jesus is the most faithful friend that a person like John or Dirk or any one of us could ever have. And you know, we talk about that intimate circle and we talk about it being marked by two things. Talk about being known, fully known, and being loved. And Tim Keller points this out and he goes, you know, to, be, uh, to have one without the other doesn't work. To be loved, but not really like known, that's not intimacy. That's shallow, that's trite, that's superficial. It doesn't mean anything. It's not love. But to flip it around, to have, to, to be known and not loved, to have somebody look into the depths of your heart and to see you, maybe better than anybody has ever seen you in the past, and to walk away, that's probably our greatest fear as human beings. A knowing kind of rejection. And today, Jesus looks right at you. Your Lord and Savior, he looks right at you. And he says, I know you. 
I love you. And today, I call you my friend. Let's talk to our friend today. I invite you to stand up wherever you are. Jesus, we have called you Lord, the Lord of our lives, the one who's in charge, the one we say yes before we even know what the question is. We've called you Savior because that's what you did. You rescued us sometimes from ourselves on our own flying collateral damage. But especially today, we call you friend as you've been there for us. You've been there for us to pick us up when nobody else was around. You've been there for us to give us hope when the world was closing in around us. You've been there to give us a word of encouragement, a word of strength, when we felt that we had nothing else to give. Jesus, thank you. Not only for being our Lord or our Savior, but today especially for being our friend. Hey, church. It's our sincere prayer that this message was able to help you find new life in Christ. And if you did find it helpful, would you consider donating to help drive this ministry forward? And don't forget, there's no substitute for doing life together. So find a worship experience, join a small group, or a serving team today. You can do all this at EncounterChurch.org.